Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Prime Investor Podcast. I'm your host Gaurav Menon. We also have with us Vidya Bala, the co-founder of PrimeInvestor.in, and we have a lot of interesting topics to talk about. First, we'll be covering a few key news events that have an impact on the markets and your investments. Then we'll discuss sector funds and the tsunami of thematic NFOs that have been flooding the mutual fund space. Ah, yes, Gaurav, tsunami indeed. Uh, we have had a lot of NFOs on thematic and sector funds. So we thought it's only right that we tell you what they are, how they work and whether you should invest in them or not. So Goro, let's first get started with the news events in the past fortnight. In Dalal Street, the Nifty touched the 19,000 mark briefly on June 28th, Wednesday. After almost a 7-month consolidation, the Nifty surpassed the 19,000 mark. and what's more all sectors are in the green as well investors are massively turning positive on risk assets taking comfort from the recent fall in inflation anticipating the end of the rate hike cycle the headline for the last week is of course prime minister modi's visit to the united states and what it can do to further cement the economic relations between us and india google and alphabet ceo sundar pichai said that Google is investing 10 billion dollars in India's digitization fund. He said that Google will open a global financial technology center in Gujarat International Finance Tech City. Amazon said on Friday that it will take its investments in India to 26 billion dollars by 2030, adding 6.5 billion dollars more in new planned investments. Besides US headquartered Micron Technology will set up its semiconductor facility in Gujarat. Also, GE Aerospace announced that it has signed a memorandum of understanding with Hindustan Aeronautics Limited to produce fighter jets for the Indian Air Force. So, Vidya, India gets healthy FPIs into stock markets. How important is FDIs from a stock market perspective? So Goro that's a slew of investments at least we hope that they will transpire into in- investments and that will be uh, FDI foreign direct investments so like you rightly asked our markets get a lot of inflows from uh, foreign portfolio investments uh, but you know FDI really play a big role uh, in terms of keeping our economy and our market stable um, there are several reasons to it i'll come to it but before that uh you know uh, the prime minister's uh, visit to us is quite important because the us is the third largest source of fdi for india with over 6 billion that's about 4.91 lakh crore invested in fi23 according to official data so what is the biggest contribution i mean if we all know fdi create jobs if fdi help in economic development you know they set up uh, factories etc but the biggest thing is about providing a more stable source of foreign reserves foreign currency for india uh, you know let's just go back to 2008 india was actually totally unconnected uh, to the global financial crisis uh, you know really speaking our rbi did a far better job and we didn't have the kind of issues that us faced but then we were the second worst performing stock market because of the huge oil price rise you know it went to about 140 150 and fpis you know once fpis see that india's deficit is widening etc they make an exit so 
the FPA, which was a key source of, you know, inflows of foreign currency, made a big time exit. We lost about $20 billion in six months. Now, all this, you know, further make the situation worse than, you know, it can be. Simply because, you know, we were not having stable inflows. Now, essentially, the oil deficit has to be funded by more stable inflows, not just capital market flows, which is what FBA is about. Because FBA is a lot more sensitive to inflation, interest data, oil cycles, the exit, the flight as they call it is also quite high, right? FDA is less so. It is almost not sensitive at all to any of these. And, you know, it actually can provide much stability to India's balance sheet. And uh, therefore, it will determine how, you know, India behaves uh, in terms of its correlation with oil cycles, etc. To this extent, I would think that FDA inflows play a vital part in providing stability of inflows to the, uh, you know, uh, Indian economy and therefore to the markets and the perception, therefore, of foreign investors also is a lot more uh, better, which is why even now, you know, they are actually having record inflows from FPIs. So that itself is evidence that India as an economy is stabilized a lot more in terms of capital inflows. Large-scale block deals in the market worry traders. There has been a series of large block deals happening in the market where the sellers were either private equity investors or in some case, the promoters themselves while uh, Delivery, Kalyan Dwellers, Go Fashion, and a few other recent IPO stocks saw private equity exits. Other stocks, such as CMS Infosystems and Timken India, saw promoters sell their stake in the market. Interestingly, the market appears to be absorbing these deals well, kissing 19,000 recently. In a fresh blow to the edtech startup Paijus, an auditor and three directors have resigned. Additionally, Baiju's recently announced a round of layoffs, affecting 1,000 staff members. Vidya, what are your thoughts on startups like Baiju's or new age IPOs like Paytm, Zomato, etc. burning high cash and yet having other financial problems? Yes, Karor. So Baiju's auditor Deloitte Haskinson Sells resigned, uh, citing a delay in submitting the financial statements. But, uh, you know, so there's a slight problem here. So when auditors suddenly resign under the Companies Act, they are actually required to give their reason and submit an audit, you know, kind of a report to the government, um, you know, on whether there has been any reason fraud or any other reason for them to believe any such thing was happening. And really, basically the reason why they are resigning suddenly, you know. So if this comes out, we don't know. We might actually see the Ministry of Corporate Affairs seeking more information and deciding whether to investigate further in case there are any acts of fraud or any other reasons that concern the ministry. Uh, so that's the part on, you know, uh, basically a kind of investigation that might happen at Baiju's. But uh, there's more to this, right? End of the day, what people are talking about now is about Baiju's valuation, the kind of money that it got and at what's happening now. I mean, there is news that it has not even been paying its provident fund dues on time. You know, they have now paid it on delay. And uh, that's that's quite concerning, isn't it? Yeah, so let me, uh, you know, I'm going to quote a very veteran, uh, you know, uh, investor, uh, Mr. Kanwal Reiki, from an article that I, uh, you know, uh, read recently. You will find this uh, link on the notes to this uh, podcast. 
let me just quote him. Baicho's uh, valuation was plain stupid. They have revenues of 300 million and are losing 600 million and you give them a valuation of 22-23 billion? This doesn't make any sense in any way, shape or form. So that's what valuation does to startup companies, right? I mean, basically this is a game where cash comes in, you burn a lot of cash, you want to show growth, but at the same time, you know, you are not really thinking about when you're going to turn profitable as opposed to a decade or two ago when nobody would touch a company where it's not profitable, right? Uh, Gaurav, do you ever have companies in your portfolio that's uh, not profitable? Unfortunately, I bought uh, the Kalyan Dwellers IPO. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Right. So, that's the new age uh, IPOs uh, for us, right? I mean, we had Paytm, we have Zomato and all of these. The common thread in all of these is that they burn cash. But, you know, eventually, profitability is cash flow. I mean, you have to see if your company has more cash than the month before, right? I mean, that's the way traditional uh, growth metrics work. Uh, in the same article, uh, Mr. Reiki was quoting uh, Infosys founder Nar uh, Narayana Murthy, who said, profits are imaginary, cash flow is real. You need to have earnings that are real, right? And uh, it's interesting in the same article, he was actually alluding to the fact that people might start valuing the Zerodha-like model more, right? Uh, in fact, he even said uh, Policy Bazaar, PB Fintech, it was one of the IPOs, was close to becoming profitable when SoftBank came in, pumped a huge amount of money and asked them to spend and grow faster. And then the, again, the path to profitability was completely gone. And, you know, the company... Uh, remember, Gaurav, we had a call on uh, PB, um, you know, uh, FinTech a while ago and uh, we hadn't given an invest call and our valuations, whatever uh, DCF model we chose to do, showed a 50%, you know, uh, lower price than the IPO for the company, you know, uh, to be valued at fair value. So that's, that's where we are. So, and uh, that's what is happening today. And the result that we saw in the last year was that many of these IPO stocks were beaten down. Your Paytm, Zomato, every company where, which did not have a clear path to profitability. Even if you're not profitable, if you had a path to profitability, that's something, right? So, um, you know, in this article, uh, in this interview, uh, Reiki uh, actually concludes by saying, you know, becoming profitable is equivalent to declaring independence. I mean, it's like saying I'm independent and don't need, uh, don't depend on anybody's capital for my survival. So if you start a business, you need to become self-sustaining at some point in time. And unfortunately, uh, players like Baiju's looks like they didn't do and uh, we are not too sure now it has, in the auditor's world, you know, this would be a question of whether this company would be a going concern by itself. Let's wait and watch. So, uh, Vijay, what would you say to people who would say something like, uh, let's take Amazon as an example. Even they weren't really profitable for a long time in the initial stages. So, are these companies, what if they are also in the initial stages? Companies like Baiju's and all of these loss-making companies. And, yeah. Yeah, that's a fair point, Goro. So, uh, you know, when I discussed my last point, you know, I said VCPs who are really, you know, 
the stick to old world uh, metrics look at the path to profitability so um, with amazon for example i mean they knew aws at some point you know it was a very clear product that would lead them to profitability and at some point give them a dominant market share and they did all the right things to kind of ensure that they achieved a high moat so if you have a product where you know you know you are going to get significant market share achieve moat that itself is path to profitability in the case of paytm for example when it came up with its ipo you could actually uh, see that they were not clear about what they will focus on for to become profitable but fortunately now they have realized you know the game that they took initially the upi way would not fetch them money they have realized it and they are now exploring other options so the market is willing to give some leeway when you do that you do, you, you do know that ptm stock has gone up uh, recently right so that's what happens so the market is looking for clear signals on what you will do to achieve those cash flows so that's that's where you get the valuation from hdfc and hdfc bank merger to happen by the 1st of july once the merger is completed on uh, july 1st HDFC limited shareholders will hold 41% in HDFC bank the swap ratio is 25 is to 42 which means for every 25 shares of HDFC limited 42 shares of HDFC bank will be given now let's take a quick break and when we come back we'll be discussing who should invest in sector funds stay tuned Thank you for tuning into the Prime Investor podcast. Have you checked out our platform at primeinvestor.in? We provide high quality recommendations for mutual funds and stocks backed by deep research. We are 100% independent and we care exclusively about your financial health. With very affordable annual plans, primeinvestor.in should be your first destination. to becoming a profitable and confident investor prime investor we research you profit moving on to the next section in our podcast we've been noticing a number of new fund offers based on sectors or themes we had a defense fund a non cyclical fund and even an innovation fund some time ago now for those new to mutual funds sector funds are concentrated portfolios that invest in specific sectors and industries alone on the other hand theme funds invest in different sectors or industries and therefore are much wider in their investment universe for example icici fmcg fund is a sector fund while kotak india manufacturing or dsp quant fund is a broader theme fund so vidya i hear you always cautioning our subscribers about the risks in sector and theme funds are they all equally risky yes gaurav so sector funds and theme funds are risky simply because like you said they are quite concentrated right so they are going to take just a small universe from the stock listed universe to invest in and um, you know if that theme or sector fails your entire fund fails it's as simple as that but within sector funds and theme funds there is a bit of a difference so i won't uh, say that the risk levels are exactly the same sector funds in their purest form just focus on a single sector you know so it can be it 
it can be pharma, it can be FMCG and so on. And uh, because they are going to just focus on that single sector, if you enter this sector at a time when the sector is not doing well, you are bound to hurt uh, your portfolio. So your returns can go down or you can end up with losses and so on. So these basically can pull down your entire portfolio's return and therefore we call them the highest risk in, term, you know, in the entire equity universe. Theme funds are possibly a little one notch less, still riskier than the other categories of equity funds. But because they invest in an array of sectors within the theme, I mean, what can be the theme? For example, consumption is a theme. FMCG is a sector, whereas consumption is a theme, right? When I say consumption, it can be that, you know, it can be uh, consumer discretionary. It could be fast-moving consumer goods. It could be hotels. It could be retail malls, uh, cinemas. All of these come under consumption, right? So that makes the theme a lot more broader. So when I broaden the investment universe, Maybe when a couple of them uh, are not doing well. For example, you know, during COVID, uh, you know, it's uh, your, your uh, retail would not do well, cinemas would not do well, but then FMCG or soaps and oils will still be consumed. So they might continue to do well. So within a theme, there is a possibility that, you know, there is uh, some amount of diversification and therefore we are bound to have little less risk than the uh, sector funds. So in terms of risk, sectors are far more risky theme funds a little less so. So Vidya, how should one invest in these funds? Do they go with lump sums or steps like other diversified funds? Goro, you have invested in uh, sector or theme funds, right? Yes, I have. Okay. So how did you go about doing it? <laughs> so what I did was I invested in the manufacturing fund that we had recommended a few months back. And for that fund, I had invested in lump sums. And why do you think you invested in lump sums? Uh, well, my reasoning is all of these uh, thematic and sector funds need to be timed because they're all really cyclical. So to get that timing right, it's better to go with lump sums since you can lock into that timing and then uh, write it out. Yeah, you have the answer almost, Kaurav. So that's pretty much the reason uh, why SIPs are not the best ways to kind of enter sector and thematic funds barring a few. So the reason like Gaurav said is most sectors tend to be cyclical, right? I mean, you take commodities, you take banking and financial. Banking and financial typically does well when, uh, you know, interest rates fall and credit growth happens and so on. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, there are sectors like infrastructure. Only when there is huge capex and spending happening in the country that, you know, infrastructure tends to do well. So in these sectors, entering at the time when the cycle catches up or is just about to turn around is very crucial especially commodities you know commodity cycle can pick up very quickly but it's important to catch them right so in these cases if you do sips typically in an up cycle you will go on averaging at higher rates which doesn't make sense the idea of averaging is to average through ups and downs but when you're entering a cyclical uh, you know kind of a, a sector then it's only one way up Right? So it becomes important to invest lump sum because SIPs don't really work. But there are certain broader themes. For example, there's a theme called opportunities theme. There is ESG. There is quant. These are not sectors. These are just themes or ways of investing. And they are pretty much like any other diversified fund. So you can actually use SIPs. So the broader the theme, uh, the you know uh, better chance that SIPs work uh, well for you there. 
and the narrower the theme or if it's a sector then timing becomes important in which case lump sums work at best you may do lump sums in phases like you do it now you're having a correction three or four months later and you still think the sector does well you know you can put further amount rather than doing a sip so that's the thought so yeah you said timing is important so what exactly does timing mean here does that mean timing of entry or timing of exit or both that's a pertinent question gaurav often times when we uh, say timing we really mean entry like you asked me whether it's lump sum or sip you know i said you invest in lump sum to time the entry uh, but yes exit is equally important if not more in many of these sector funds and that's what actually makes ch uh, it challenging for uh, retail investors to invest in sector funds because if you don't exit these sectors at the right time your profits just vanish i mean in 2008 for example and leading up to 2008 infrastructure funds were doing doing brilliantly but you know once the hit happened and the market collapsed and all that they were among the worst hit and it took like 4 or 5 years for uh, you know these funds to recover and even give decent returns otherwise you would have managed better returns in debt funds and fds if you had held on to them right so you should have known that by when the market was peaking even in 2007 should have actually exited these uh, you know um, the funds so, so that's what is more challenging but i can actually tell you there are some themes where you don't need to time your exit it's enough if you can uh, you know kind of time your entry for example banking and financial services right we don't know banking and financial services is cyclical but at the same time it's a secular theme as in this theme can run on and on for years because it's the banking is the you know kind of a foundation for any economy so if you're able to catch banking stocks through a banking fund at right valuations you can hold on to them forever like you would with your diversified fund until the time you really need money right um uh, you know similarly sectors like consumption you know consumption is secular you can actually enter and exit when you want but entry does matter to some extent because when valuation is too high in consumption and that happens when markets value cash markets value good balance sheets market value quality and they give too high a valuation to consumption so if you enter at that point your returns may not be great it's not like you'll be uh, you know left in bad shape but your returns may not be great so banking and financial services consumption it you know uh, these are sectors where timing entry is good enough you don't need to worry too much about exit but there are broader themes like esg quant opportunities you know um, mnc it's okay to uh, you know not get your timing too right and these are cases where i said even sips are okay i mean you could just try an average over the years it's not like these sectors will perform in some periods and not perform in others it entirely depends on the nature of stocks and the stock choice that you know fund um, houses make in these uh, teams so um, it is very important when you are going into these very cyclical sectors to get both the entry and exit right so that's the takeaway so now an important question who should invest in these funds and who should not right there are two ways of uh, looking at this uh, one is to kind of look at the size of your portfolio i mean if you have a compact corpus for example a compact i mean like 15 20 to 25 lakhs 
you need to build a diversified portfolio in the first place. I mean, have a mix of market cap, have a mix of strategies, have some debt funds, have some liquid uh, component to your portfolio. Um, that's about what you really need. Bringing sector funds uh, can kind of significantly increase the risk in your portfolio when your portfolio is compact. So you should attempt sector funds only when you're already well diversified. You have already achieved all of these with a sizable corpus and you have sufficient money to generate that extra bit of alpha in your portfolio, then you start exploring these kind of sector funds. So um, it's the easiest route to deciding whether you want sector funds or not, right? And the uh, next thing, you know, if you decide uh, that you want to add sector funds, you should be somebody who's familiar with stock markets and understand or read about sector and cycles of these sectors. If that's not your uh, you know cup of tea then you can again get your timing wrong and therefore lose out on returns so in essence the size of your portfolio will really determine whether you need to invest or not second you should be willing to track the sectors track the markets if you plan to invest in these now the final question for the day how should one decide which one to choose Yes, the easiest way is to go to prime funds. Uh, we have our, uh, you know, thematic and uh, sector funds. You can uh, choose to invest in one of those, provided, of course, you decide to choose which one uh, sector you would like. We would, at any point in time, have a few sectors which we think hold potential, right? You don't have to invest in all of them, in which case you will get overweight on them. So, the point is that if you have an already risky portfolio filled with mid cap, small caps, etc. Then your ability to also add more risk with sector is diminished, right? So then go for broader themes. When I say broader themes, like opportunities, you know, or sometimes it can even be international. A diversified international fund is thematic after all. I mean, you invest in a foreign market. So you can diversify if you already have high risk. If your risk is kind of balanced, I mean, you have maybe 15-20% to mid-caps, small caps, you can afford to add maybe another 5-10% to sector funds. Then you can choose one or two sector at a time and not more. Don't try to put all sectors together, in which case you're really building a diversified portfolio of funds, which is not necessary if you already have a diversified set of funds, right? So add one or two um, and you need to track them or you need to, if you're following us, you need to kind of uh, stay alert about our calls on book profits, etc. Or if you don't want to kind of really time them, go for the broader ones. Again, 5 to 10% max and not more. And don't try to load up on all the sector funds. That's one strategy. The second strategy for very nuanced investors is, you know, have some index funds as part of the core of your portfolio and use sector funds tactically to time, you know, your entry and exits in sectors that are doing well and sectors that have lost steam, right? So you could, here you could build, uh, build a portfolio of, uh, you know, sectors. Like you can have a mix of FMCG and manufacturing, you know, that is which is one is defensive, the other is cyclical. And you can try and time your entry into banking. You can try and book profits in them. Do things like that, right? But for this, you need to, uh, if you're a stock investor, you've been tracking markets and sectors, this is possible for you. Otherwise, the first option that I said works better. And of course, do use uh, prime funds where we have our themes and strategies and uh, you could pick one of those and... Uh, invest in lump sum. So with you, what are some of the sectors that one should look at investing now? Right. Since timing is key, 
the now for us uh, you know um, would be sectors like consumption you know we are clearly seeing a, a trend of uh, improved sales in consumer discretionary and fmcg2 um, so consumption as a broader theme is expected to pick up and we are closely looking at that uh, healthcare would be a kind of a contrarian call but uh, select pockets of it is doing well so you know we would be looking at it and of course banking and financials hasn't lost steam it's still a secular uh, theme gaurav so we already have it in our uh, list and all of the other sectors that i mentioned also we have recommendations on those and uh, we have also pointed out to investors about timing um, in some of these now so that's those are the few sectors we are betting on now awesome so that's it for today if you want our recommendations on sector funds you can visit our uh, prime funds that is primeinvestor.in/prime hyphen funds with that we'll close the third episode of the prime investor podcast thank you for tuning in and uh, see you next time thank you prime investor financial research private limited with brand name primeinvestor.in is an independent research entity offering research services on personal finance products to customers We are a SEBI registered research analyst with registration number INH 200008653. The discussions or recommendations, if any, made herein are an expression of views and or opinions and should not be deemed or construed to be advice for the purpose of purchase or sale of any security, nor a solicitation or offering on any investment or trading opportunity. Please make your own investment decisions based on your investment objective and financial position and using such independent advisors as you believe is necessary. Financial products discussed herein are subject to market risks. Read all scheme and security related documents carefully before investing.